listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Mark Falconer joining us. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here. It's been a little while since we've had you in the studio. I've missed it. But it's uh, good to have you back. So thank you for uh, volunteering to fill in for one of our missing days that uh, David Leo is away. So it's great to have you here. Now, I will just uh, remind our listeners or let them know that this is not a live program today. It's a recording. Uh, but it was done not too long before when it plays on the Wednesday the 11th. So um, we won't be able to you know, respond immediately on air to you, but uh, nevertheless, it's a current program. It's a recent program. It's never been to air before. Well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's an original, of course, Mark. Uh, Mark, I've been away recently. I've been overseas and... Um, a lot of uh, air, air flights, you know, a lot of uh, plane flights to, to get where we were going, over to Croatia and um, and a long trip back via London. We we came back via London. So um, I'm just wondering, I actually quite enjoy flying, although I don't like the long flights too much. They get a bit tedious when you're on a flight for 13, 14, 15 hours. It's not much fun. The novelty does wear off after... <laughs> Three yep. hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, how do you like flying? Well, I, I, I love flying. I like it when I'm on the plane, but I always get anxious about getting to the airport, making sure that I'm there on time and I, I have plenty of time to get onto the flight because the fear of missing out, FOMO. If you yeah. mean missing the plane? or oh, missing the plane, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, missing the plane, yeah. So I get really quite anxious, and and so when I'm in the car driving to the airport, I'm looking at my watch every minute, you know, have I got enough time, have I got enough time? Yep, yep, yep. So that that's my worst part, and uh, once I'm sitting down in the plane, in the tin budgie, oh, I'm good. You're good, okay. Have you ever turned up to the airport and, um, uh, you know, checked or went to check in and... Realise that your ticket wasn't the right date? Yes, I have. I, I've done that. <laughs> I, I did that. I turned up at the airport. I was sitting at the Hobart International Airport. And I was sitting there. And I, I was going, gee, I didn't get a reminder from Virgin on, on this one. And I thought, <laughs> I wonder why. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'd better check my uh, flight. Oh, I booked it for the next Monday. Uh, a week later, I went, oh, no, how embarrassing. Yeah. So I had to rebook it for that day. Fortunately, I got over that day. Mm, um, I did exactly the same thing. I, I think I got a week out. And, uh, and again, fortunately, I got over, but I had to pay a lot of money to do it. That is expensive when yeah. you do that on the day. but uh, It's good it's to double-check your dates. <laughs> and to all our listeners, uh, do not look at your arrival time ah. for your departure. <laughs> I've done that before, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, um, today, uh, that sort of fits in with our topic today, Mark, and uh, on our Tassie Encounters program, uh, we're going to be talking about the topic of anxiety, and uh, there are many things in our life that can cause anxiety, and you're going to give us uh, a bit of a, a biblical uh, explanation as to how we can help manage that a little bit. Um, I will remind our listeners uh, we're, we're not on a regular series at the moment because David Leo's away, but we've, of course we've got all of our episodes online and you can 
go and have a listen to those on faithfm.com.au or you can uh, use the Faith FM Australia app and listen to our programs. Just find the programs and podcasts, Tassie Encounters, and you'll find us there. And today we do have a free book offer, so this is the number you can use to text in a code, which we'll give you later in the program, 0488 880-891. That is our Tassie Encounters program and uh, that one only. So uh, don't, don't use one of the other show numbers because it doesn't come to us. So text in 0488-880-891. If you've got any questions or whatever, we can uh, answer those on our next program perhaps. So, so uh, Mark, uh, anxiety. You've uh, got a, a, a bit of a discussion about... Uh, Roller coasters to start up with. Well, yeah, I love roller coasters, and mm. uh, I've had good experience with the corkscrew roller coaster on the Gold Coast, which yeah. I'm sure many of our listeners uh, have seen, at least have seen pictures of it, if they haven't already been on it. And uh, so I, I used to love roller coasters. I'm a little bit over them now because I'm a bit older, but <laughs> uh, I used to love roller coasters and the anticipation of uh, the, the start of the ride and um, I, I looked up uh, one roller coaster in o- Ohio and it used to be the the largest and the fastest roller coaster in the world but it's only fourth now and uh, it was built in b- back in 2003 and it gets up to a speed of 193 kilometres an hour. It's pretty fast. Oh, in, in such a short distance. <laughs> it, yes, yes. And uh, if you look at pictures of it and you get to the top of it and you look down and then you just go, oh, no, that mm. is just amazing. And the anticipation and the build-up to that as you go over the top and go down and you reach a speed of 193 kilometres an hour. That's phenomenal. And you must be doing that in just a matter of seconds. Oh, yeah, just yeah. a couple of seconds. You, yeah. Mate, your, your face is just peeling <laughs> peeling away as, as the wind sort of rushes through you. It's just phenomenal. But you see, the, it, when you're at the top, and you just imagine if you're sitting there in anticipation... Mm. That's when the anxiety starts to kick in. Yeah, but that's good anxiety. So, sort mostly. of adrenaline creating anxiety. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. Yeah. But that's good anxiety. Mm. And uh, as we know, there's good and bad anxiety. And uh, uh, but that kind of anxiety on a roller coaster is 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 the kind of uh, ride that most do enjoy. Mm. Um, now, I remember one time when I was in Rome and I thought I'd, you know, cross the road. It was a very wide road and I did the right thing and I looked to my left. And I thought, oh, goodness me, no cars coming. I'm, I'm right. And, of course, then I looked to my right and that's where the traffic was coming from, you know, and I went off because I forgot, you know, yep. to look. I've just been right. driving for nearly three weeks on the wrong side of the road, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> and you do forget. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, and I forgot that day and I just saw this wall of motorbikes and uh, mostly um, mopeds and step-through motorbikes coming towards me and what kicks in at that time? What kicks fear. in? Fear. Fear. Yeah. And, mate, you, you just run. Mm. That's all you got to do. 
that the, kind the of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And that kind of anxiety is what is necessary. It's useful anxiety because it makes you react. Yep. Mm. Uh, and uh, so ran across the road, and and so that kind of anxiety is is necessary for us to live and survive. All of us have anxiety. Mm. All of us have anxiety, but there is an anxiety that is not so good for us. Mm. So when you get to the other side of the road after you've dodged the traffic, your heart beats flat out, you calm down, and then you just go and shop and that sort of thing. So, um, So that kind of fear is a reaction to a specific danger, and you make a specific adjustment, and uh, but the kind of negative anxiety is one that is diffuse, uncertainty, an experience of helplessness. You don't know why, and it's and you wake up in the morning and you think, why am I anxious? Mm. I don't know why, and you can't put your finger on it. Mm. So running across the road, it's specific to a specific situation. You calm down and you get on, you go shopping. But the kind of anxiety that is destructive is one that is diffuse, uncertainty, you don't know why, and you can't just put your finger on it. And um, and uh, so that, that's a... A, a, a sense of an, that kind of anxiety is very much on the rise mm. today. Mm. And uh, uh, a lot of people are experiencing it because because of the rise of the use of social media. There's a whole lot... Life is extremely complicated. And, and busy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations on people too today. Oh, look, look, there are. And, uh, and people look to medicate their anxiety, mm. which is fair enough, um, and that sometimes is necessary. Mm. Um, but the kind of unhealthy anxiety leads to that deeper fear, that paralysis, unable to react, that nervousness, agitation, that can lead to ulcers and literally can eat you away on the inside. And mm. so we need to be monitor that and make sure that that kind of anxiety doesn't overtake. Now, we've got to go to a break in a moment. Just keep that in mind. All right, just very quickly. (laughs) But just to give you some sort of perspective on the rise of anxiety, um, that that is hard to ignore, but that the rates of overall anxiety have increased dramatically in our day and age. And uh, Robert... Lee, he says that the most striking increase has occurred between 1952 and 1967, and the numbers have continued to rise since. In fact, the average childhood today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. It's no wonder we've we've got so many uh, people struggling with this. Mate, that is frightening. Mm. That's frightening for mm. our young people growing up today. Mm. So it's it's really an, it's an important topic to to get some insight into and uh, perhaps some biblical guidance. That's what we're going to look at shortly. 
Well, we've got a question for you. Um, you can text us in your answer. We won't be able to read it on air because it's a recording. But uh, the question today is, what do you do uh, to when you get anxious? What do you do to help calm yourself? So uh, do you uh, text us in 0488-880-891. This is Come To Me by Jaden Levick. on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Mark Falconer on the topic of anxiety and we asked you a question what do you do when you get anxious uh, text us in your answer 0488 880891 we won't be able to read that on air today because this is a recording but uh, we will read your message and uh, perhaps we can share it in a future program 
So, Mark, before the break, uh, you were saying that this guy by the name of Robert Leahy, uh, in his book called Anxiety Free, was saying that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the uh, psychiatric patient of the 1950s. It's a, that's an astounding fact. And it's an astounding statement that should concern mm. all of us and concern every parent mm. raising a child today. Mm. And uh, we have to ask ourselves, why is mm. there such a dramatic rise in anxiety? Mm. And while psychologists and psychiatrists are much more aware of anxiety and, and the diagnoses have become much more prevalent, but our world is so different to the 1950s mm. and our young people and our children are raised in a totally different world that is conducive to anxiety. And one of the, um, the reasons why anxiety is on the rise is that, well, a couple of things we'll just um, mention is that with uh, the meta-narrative that has disappeared from our society, the meta-narrative in the sense that, you know, Australia or America were very much Christian nations. That's very much disappeared. People don't trust institutions like they used to. And, and the consequence of that is that people themselves have to wear the cultural anxiety or societal anxiety that is around the world, uh, that is around in the immediate world. So that's, that's one area. The other area too, I, I believe is, um, directly impacts our young people is the amount of time they spend on social media. Mm. Just, just real quickly on a statistic. Do you know the average young person today spends on a smartphone, social media, the average a week in Australia? A week. Yeah. Wow. I don't know, maybe 20 hours? Oh, mate. <laughs> More than double that. Fifty, About 56 hours. That's amazing. A week, yeah. And and that's phenomenal. And so that, that, that in itself creates a lot of anxiety. And so... And partic- what- particularly with young people because they, they're not, you know, the social media platform is so easy to um, speak in ways that you wouldn't in person. And I think that creates a lot of challenges for young people particularly well it does and keep it's easy to be a keyboard warrior isn't mm. it? and uh, so with that anxiety uh, that has dramatically risen we need to look for ways in which we can cope and as uh, christians we need to be able to uh, look to scripture mm. for answers so where where in scripture would you turn well, I think there's a really great example in Psalm 3, and David provides us a very good um, example on how he dealt with anxiety. Now, he was suffering terribly at the time. Now, a lot of it was his own making, mm. but be that as it may, that, that, that point doesn't really matter. Uh, the fact is, is that he was in a, in a serious situation. Now... Just for our listeners, let's put it in context of what was happening. So David essentially had been kicked off the throne. Was this after his uh, inappropriate relationship with Bathsheba Uh, and all of that? Yes, it was. I mean, that was a terrible, terrible time, you know, when he looked at Bathsheba Mm. and he had that affair with her and then it got worse, didn't it? Mm. Yes, he arranged the, uh, the killing of Uriah, was it? Uh, yes, the husband, Bathsheba's husband, and I mean that—that's low, wasn't it? No, that's that's very low. 
I mean, I, you imagine if someone did that today, you'd mm. just think that person is the lowest of the low. Mm. And guess what? That's what most people thought back then, and and they kicked him off the throne. Mm. And uh, so, at that point in time, David is running for his life. Absalom has taken over the throne, and he's hiding in the cave. And people are wanting to kill him. His life was directly threatened. And now we read Psalm three. Mm. Mm. You want so, me to read all of it, or just a few verses? Let, 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 let's re- read the first four verses, shall we? Okay. It's uh, in the today we're reading from the English Standard Version, and uh, it's uh, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Well, and so you look at this passage here. So it starts off here, O Lord, how many are my foes? Mm. So you got Absalom. And that was, was Absalom the son from Bathsheba? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or, um, and so he'd taken over the throne mm. and he, he wanted power. So David had been kicked off the throne. You imagine when you're king and you're king of Israel and people look up to you, you've got power. People will applaud you. They look up to you as king. They bow down to you. And now... That's all been taken away. Uh, <laughs> don't you miss that adulation? <laughs> People serving you, bringing you breakfast in bed, O king, bowing down to you, people looking up to you, and you've lost it all. Mm. And now he's, he's writing this or experiencing this, and he doesn't know what is going to happen mm. at this point. So you can imagine his anxiety at this point is through the roof. Mm. Mm. And, uh, of course, you know, this wasn't the first time he'd encountered some challenges because in the younger years he was fleeing from Saul for many years. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Saul got quite jealous because people said, oh, Saul kills thousands. David kills tens tens of thousands. (laughs) And and you Mm. could imagine David getting a swelled head. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can ima- and I can imagine that Saul got really jealous, mm. and uh, so uh, the anxiety for David now losing his kingship, losing his position, and of course he was separated from Bathsheba and uh, and his his other uh, family. And now he is fleeing for his life. And he says here in the second part of verse 1, Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Mm. So that's a pretty uh, sad statement, isn't it? And I wonder what David would be thinking at that time. There is no salvation. Not only... Um, that is a difficult thing to hear, but would he be asking, is that true? Mm. Mm. 
well, look at what you've done. You don't deserve any grace. You don't deserve salvation. You've killed Bathsheba. I mean, sorry, you killed Uriah. You've had an affair with Bathsheba. You've done some terrible, terrible things. You deserve everything that you get. That's a human perspective, isn't it? Mm. And we can thank God it's not like that, can't we? Mm. And uh, so there's no salvation for him in God. As David is hearing that from the people, I wonder if he would be thinking of Saul. You you mentioned Saul. Mm. Mm. Do you remember in Samuel when um, when when Saul was asked to kill all the stock, and Samuel comes along, and when he had invaded that city, Saul didn't obey what God had asked and had brought all the sheep back. And Samuel says, what is all that bleating I hear? Mm. And that kingdom at that point was taken away for, from him because he did not obey God. He was disobedient. Yeah. God, God takes uh, obedience pretty seriously. Well, he did with Saul, mm. and, and he does with us too. He mm. takes obedience really seriously. Mm. And David wasn't too good in that area either in terms of obedience, was he? Yeah, there were certain times when he uh, didn't didn't follow the word of the prophets, and there were consequences. So what's the difference between Saul and David then? Well, I think uh, perhaps uh, Psalm 51 describes it a little bit, doesn't it, where he, he recognised he... He um, humbled himself to, towards God and and uh, came to him with a, a contrite spirit. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. And uh, so um, we all look at that one a little bit more because the key thing there is Psalm fifty-one. But mm. we'll we'll check that out in our next section Time when we break. look at Psalm three. Well, uh, right now, uh, just a reminder of our question for you to consider today. What do you do when you get anxious? Uh, text us in your answer on 0488 This uh, great song is by Hilary Scott. It's called You Can Rest. Sure. 
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And we're speaking with Mark Falconer, and uh, this is on our Tassie Encounters program. And we've been talking about the topic of anxiety. And uh, we've just been reading Psalm chapter 3, and uh, this is describing a, a situation where uh, really David has sort of fallen from grace, so to speak, in the context of the people. He's been dethroned, is that what you, you would call it? <laughs> well and truly dethroned. Yeah. This was a coup. Mm. A coup by Absalom, and the fall from grace was a huge, dramatic, and we have difficulty appreciating how far he fell mm. and how dramatic this was for, for David. And it's a little bit like sports stars today. If you can imagine... You know, we've just seen two great finals over the last weekend, the AFL and the NRL finals. And uh, we know that the sports stars, they uh, they held in very high esteem uh, for for most Australians. And what happens and, and when they And they're meant leak? to be held to high standards too. Well, they're meant to be. And <laughs> they don't not, often live up to them. They sometimes don't live up to them. Well, the NRL have had a number of scandals over recent years and the dramatic fall of some of the stars and the effect on their lives, the anxiety, the depression that comes in for them is is huge. And that can even happen just as people uh, retire, um, you know, when people get to the end of their careers and they don't know what to do with themselves and... Uh, their status sort of diminishes a bit because they're not working in... <laughs> well, the phone stops. Yeah, the phone Nobody's stops. Nobody's ringing them. Yep. No longer important. Mm. And uh, so what what do we do in those situations? Mm. Uh, when the crowd stops applauding, how do we handle that? How would we handle that? How did David handle that? Mm. Uh, because... I don't think that you could describe it in any more dramatic terms when it says at the last part of verse 2, there is no salvation for him in God. And that's how low David got. So what does he do? Now, he this turns, is critical. He turns to God, it would appear. He turns to God. He lifts his head towards God. He shifts the glory away from me to God. Mm. So that's point and number he does one. That, he does that a lot in the Psalms, doesn't he? He sure does. Mm. And that's good advice for us. That's good advice for the sports stars. Shift the glory away from me mm. to God. Mm. And that's what he does here. So when we read in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are what? A shield. A shield about me. Well, what does that mean? And... Um, a shield, you know, you think of the battle mm. of what they did Lots back then. Lots of different types of shields. Yeah, they were. Mm. You know, they're, they're the portable ones that you just held on your hand. Mm. I imagine they'll be pretty heavy. Mm. But if you're in a sword battle and you've got that, uh, a smaller shield, that will protect you from the sword hitting you as you lift it up to protect yourself. But there are also other types of shields that were used in a different kind of battle. And Peter C. Craigie, who's a commentator on the psalm here, gives a bit of insight into this. And he, and he says here that there were these large shields 
that went sort of like a half, not quite a half circle, but circular around you. And as you got a squad of shot of soldiers marching toward a castle, and they get to the edge of the castle, they could then put the those half round uh, shields that are about five or six feet high, and they can crouch down and behind them. But they can also lift them above their head because when you get to the wall of the castle they don't exactly welcome you Mm. they start throwing things over the side of the wall things like rocks you know boiling oil boiling water um hot stuff And, and those shields that are half round protect you and so here, this is what David would be thinking here. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. Shield mm. about me. And so that's that big shield that will protect you. My glory and the, the lifter lift. of my head. It's a really interesting statement, that lifter of my head, because it, it makes me think, you know, when people are, are sort of depressed and, and down and they have low self-esteem and things like that, they, they walk around with their heads down. Yeah, mm. I've done that. Mm. You know, if I'm feeling flat, or you know, I you know, you walk down and your your head sort of tilts towards the ground, and you just uh, walk along, and you just look at the ground as you're walking along. And so, David here, because of the situation that he was in, he was in a cave. He'd run away from Absalom, running away from his armies. His life been threatened. Uh, he then. His, his head was tilted down mm. and b- the text there says, you are my shield and the lifter of my head. Mm. Wow. How did that happen, I wonder? How did that happen? Why would God lift his head? What does he, what has he done to deserve that? I mean, mm. this is not fair. He was the one who cheated. Mm. With Bathsheba, killed your rather Hittite. The people said, "We don't want a king like this. Mm. This guy's immoral, mm. unethical. He's cruel, destroying the family. So, what does he do to deserve that? This is not fair. Why should God lift His head?" I but guess um, you know, in in our day, because we have the. Uh, the history of of Christ, who was lifted up for our um, sins, you know, on the cross. So he took that punishment instead of us. But uh, in the Old Testament, uh, I think you were mentioning that um, you know God spoke to Abraham and demonstrated how he would take the punishment. Yes, yes. And and in in essence, perhaps David's recognizing that God is merciful and uh, gracious and. And he is able to lift David up because he's the one who's taking that. That's exactly right. So in order for God to be able to lift the head, there needs to be a change Mm -hmm. in thinking. So David then needs to look up, shifting the glory away from self. Mm. That's really hard because when we're anxious, we're always looking at ourselves, we're looking at the situation, we're looking down at the ground when we can't see anything else. And so while God lifted his head, 
there needed to be first of all, but or well, there need to be a change in attitude of David. Mm. Now we find that change of attitude in David because when he was running, he realised, mate, I really crossed the line. That was terrible what I did. Mm. You know, and, 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 and you Psalm mentioned, 51. Yeah, you mentioned Psalm 51 mm. uh, in the last section, but let, let's have a wee look. And, and for our listeners, if you have a chance to read all of Psalm 51, it is a terrific psalm on repentance. Mm. And this is what needs to happen in our lives because when you look at verse 16, for uh, you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. God wasn't interested in in burnt offerings. He was interested in the heart. And it's verse 17 that's the key. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit. And what does the next part say? A broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Mm. And and so this is what God wants from us. And so for God to be the lifter of the head, there needs to be a broken and contrite heart, and God will not despise that. Mm. Well, it's time to talk about our book offer. It's called Finding Peace in a World of Worry. This is Bible Solutions for Stress and Anxiety by Doug Batchelor. Are you sinking while you're thinking? Oh, that's an interesting statement. Isn't it? Are you sinking while you're thinking? Oh, I think when we overthink things, we can certainly get into a sinking pattern, can't we? Absolutely. Excessive worry can consume a person from the inside out, resulting in sickness, insomnia and paralyzing fear. It can damage relationships and even our witness for the gospel. But since problems are part of life, how do we manage the worry that comes with them? Pastor Doug Batchelor's winsome but practical finding peace in a world of worry is packed with useful solutions not only to liberate those drowning in stress but also to prevent stress from building up in the first place. Best of all, these principles come directly from the Word of God. So that's our book offer coming up right after the break, so stay tuned for the code. This is Yes I Will by Anthem Lights. I count on one thing The same God who never fails Will not fail me now Will not fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out Is working all things out Yes, I will lift you
lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're finishing up our program today with Mark Fautner. We've been talking about anxiety and uh, we've been looking at Psalm chapter 3 mostly with uh, getting some guidance as to how David um, dealt with his anxiety when uh, he had been um, dethroned. So, Mark, uh, there's a few more things you want to finish up with today. Um, you wanted to go to Genesis uh, yeah, to look so at a particular example that uh, God had communicated with Abraham. So, so how is David going to know that God will accept him after all that he has done and in that situation? Because mm. if we are anxious, we've also got to know mm. how does God accept me? How do we know that God will accept me? And, and so, today we have more examples, of course, you know, because we've got New Testament, we've got Jesus' life and all of that, but they didn't have that back then. And and people were saying, well, there's no salvation for you, David. And so Mm. David will have to rely on his promises. And so um, he knows that God is a shield. He's shifting the glory away from himself, but he also needs to know that God is his substitute. Mm. All right? So how does he know that? Now, there's a strange passage in, in, in Genesis chapter 15 that uses the example of the signing of contracts. And the signing of contracts weren't just with signatures of like what we do today. We just do um, signing of contracts and, and then we fight it, fight it out in courts of law. But back in Genesis 15, Abraham was fearful because he didn't know how the promise was going to be fulfilled of the coming Redeemer. And so the contract that he, that God wanted to show him was, was done uh, in, in Genesis 15. And so what they did back then was, in order to ratify a contract, not by signatures, but they did it by sacrificing of animals. And so what would happen is that a king from one nation would have a contract of a king from a weaker nation, and that was called a suzerain vassal treaty. Okay? And so the vassal was the weaker one, and they would have these animals that were sacrificed, and they were laid out in a row, and the vassal would have to walk through those pieces, and Genesis calls them pieces. And so as the vassal would walk through that, that was the ratifying of the contract, and what that meant was those animals that were cut in half, if you break this treaty, you'll be cut in pieces. Mm. And they found that on a stone of a vassal, a suzerain vassal treaty of Mati Ilu, um, Back in the time, and so it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, effective way of communicating, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, 
very, very effective. You break this contract, you'll be cut in pieces. Mm. Very good incentive. Mm. Horrible, mm. horrible times. Mm. Uh, but in Genesis 15, there's something remarkable that happens. And mm. it's just incredible because God lays Abra- Abraham and gives him a dream and he sees these pieces, these animals that have been cut in half. And instead of Abraham having to walk through those pieces, because this is a contract between God and Abraham, do you know what happens? It is God who walks through those pieces. Mm. And you go, this would have stunned Abraham because what this is saying is that, hold on, you are the king. You can't walk through it. It's me, Abraham, that has got to walk through these pieces. But you got to walk in through these pieces. Mm. And what he's saying is, I will pay the price of the broken covenant. It's pretty amazing. I will pay the price of sin. Mm. Because the wages of sin is death. God is going to pay the price. And you go, wow. And so David would renown about Genesis 15. Mm. Ah, God is going to pay the price. So he can lift my head. As I look to him, he can lift my head and he is my substitute. Mm. That would have given David absolute comfort because this was the promise that God had made. Isn't that amazing? It is, yeah. And... Even though, as I keep saying, but uh, you know, we have the direct example of Christ's life and, and his sacrifice on the cross, but at that time uh, they didn't have that. And, and then, that, that's exactly right. And so it was on that basis in verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. And therefore in verse 5 he was able to lay down and sleep mm. and sleep peacefully. And I woke again for the Lord sustained me. That's amazing. Mm. And in such times of deep anxiety, he was able to rely on God. But you mentioned Jesus. He was also anxious too, wasn't he? He was. I remember particularly the uh, night before the the crucifixion. May this cup be taken from me. Mm. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Mm. Not a not something to look forward to, is it? No, not at all. And uh, that that anxiety, Jesus also suffered as well. Mm. Why, God, why, God, have you forsaken me? Mm. Deep anxiety. And, you, you know, at that point, Jesus did not know about whether he would survive through the grave. But he saw in each one of us such value... He saw the value of humanity that it was worth saving and he was willing to die for us and he was able to die for us even if he didn't know whether he was going to be resurrected or not at that time. And, of course, we know that he was resurrected, mm. but at that time he it was so dark he didn't know. And... Uh, but he saw such value in humanity that he was willing to do that. And that is the good news of the gospel. Mm, absolutely. So uh, how does this help us, I guess, 
today in in and looking into the future i guess uh, when you know we know biblically that uh, there's uh, prophecies of difficult times ahead they're going to be difficult times we're all going to be anxious we're anxious because we don't know the future we have potentially lose our position power career material possessions and that's going to happen at some point in time, mm. whether Jesus comes back in our lifetime or not. But if we, as we get older, as we age, get to 70, 80, we start to lose hold on life. And all of a sudden, the things that we have and that have defined us, I am what I have, I, I am what other people say I am, and those we need to change our uh, in the basis of our identity and put it in Christ. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. So we need to uh, take our eyes off what we have and look up. Mm. Here's our substitute. Here's the one who gives us life and life eternal. Mm. Well, that's uh, come to the end of our time for today. It's. Um, it's an interesting topic. I know for me, at times when I've uh, faced some difficult things, I certainly turn to the Bible and I, I turn, turn to many of the promises in scriptures, you know, whether it be in Psalms or Isaiah or Jeremiah. There are many, many, many promises that can lift us up. And we have you know? to hold on to those promises mm. as David did. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you, David. Uh, sorry, thank you, uh, Mark, for joining us today and taking David's place. It's uh, good to do this with you again. Um, next week on Wednesday, we'll have Tamika Spalding joining us. She has not uh, been with us for a while because uh, we haven't been doing our Friday programs, but she's going to step in next Wednesday. So do uh, tune in live next Wednesday. That'll be a live program. And, of course, tomorrow with uh, David Maxwell, and myself will be looking at the seven seals of Revelation in the series that he's doing, the uh, significant sevens of Revelation. Remember, today's book offer code is anxiety number one, anxiety one. Text it into 0488880891. This is We've Got This Hope by Ellie Holcomb. We've got this hope. We've got a future We've got the power of the resurrection living within We've got this hope We've got a promise That we are held up and protected in the palm of His hand And even when our hearts are breaking Oh, 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 we've got this hope.